Reinholds is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Reinholds Show Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Reinholds Show Podcast. There has been lots of great things going on, but you know this. We're sitting currently on episode 99. We have something really uh, big planned for 100, so I've kind of not published for the last two weeks because uh, I want to be extremely special, and we're going uh, balls to the wall, so to speak. Uh, But uh, given that we are based in Canada, uh, we have, uh, you know, with the COVID-19 outbreak pandemic, whatever you want to call it, the Canadian government from the federal level has... Um, you know, basically tried to format a assistance program for people that need it called CERB, which is the Canadian Emergency Response. Is it program, Amar? Response benefit. Benefit. Uh, so Amar Gill is uh, our resident chartered accountant. Um, he knows his numbers. He bleeds his numbers. Um, but he also has a lot of great background, especially with government and also, you know, private practice. So I really want this episode to kind of serve uh, some really practical knowledge on what is CERB, how is it going to impact us, uh, where are we going to be sitting at 5, 10 years down the road, and then personally, how you and your family um, can maybe take some financial steps to, to you know, just, just to try to ease the blow, so to speak. Just some really practical, everyday things. I understand people have lost their jobs. Um, companies have literally, you know, ran out of business. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just have to say, I don't think the money's flowing, you know, as it once was. You know, people are really starting to feel that. So uh, without further ado, Amar Gill, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for having me. So my first question to you is the episode. <laughs> so without further ado, I mean, my first question is, is that what is CERB? Uh, what was it designed to do? There's been a lot of talk of, you know, make sure you qualify for CERB because the government's going to come after you. And if you've been lying, they're going to audit you and it's going to be held to pay for that. But what was it designed for? Uh, what is it? And for people out there, you know, if there's any misconceptions you know of, please just educate our audience on what the heck CERB is. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, so in its, in its most basic form, it is an emergency wage stopgap. So anybody, uh, whether you're self, and this is important, so people don't know this, whether you're self-employed or you're an employee, self-employed meaning you're a contractor, you know, you, you, you're not an employee, it, people don't know that both can qualify, mm. right? Even if you're an owner that has their own corporation or company, you can still qualify. Mm. Right. And a lot of people thinking was just for salaried employees. It's for people that own businesses as well as people that are self-employed contractors. And what it is, it is $2,000 a month that the federal government will give you. And it runs the same platform as EI. Um, You have to show that you are like during the shutdown, obviously, the Canadian government never expected you to be looking for work because everything was shut down. But if you notice last week, it's been extended another eight weeks with the caveat that you have to attest to the fact that you are actively seeking employment, just like you would be if you were on unemployed EI. So, so that's very important that before government didn't want you to test or show any kind of proof that you're actively seeking wages, but the, the key decision of them extending serve another eight weeks is to get everybody ramped up into the workforce. Absolutely. So you have to show actively seeking work. You can't, you know, anybody in this, and this applies to people at a certain you know, generation, you know, people that are in that 18 to 26, 27, maybe that kind of, you know, said, oh, you know, they're just student workers. They're, they're people that are starting careers that thought, hey, that's it. Universal basic income. It's not that. Mm. And it's not there forever. So mm. if you've been using CERB to drink, blow it all on Amazon, uh-uh, wrong. <laughs> it can't go on forever. Uh, federal <laughs> debt. It's so it's so that. true because I know that's happening. I I mean I know there's a le- there's a there's a there's a level of trueness to that. <laughs> yeah, it is it is an emergency stop gap, and it was calculated very simply that you know people that earn a certain level of income are the ones that are most impacted by the shutdown. Yeah, you know uh, people that work in the service industry, people that contract, people that work part time. All those things were ones that were impacted. That's why, like, let's face it, $2,000 a month for 
one person, yeah, it's okay. It's not gonna make or break you. Sure. Right? You can't that's not gonna go far. Sure. You know, but but the beauty is you, your wife, your your child that's 17, 18 or over, all that are qualified at working age can qualify for. So you can pull the money as a family yeah. unit. Yeah. Right? Uh, whether or not they want to do that, that's up to them. But it, 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 and the other part is it's taxable. So yes. even though the government's going to give you $2,000 a month, you will be taxed on it. And how does that, right? how does that look? Like, this is a question that we've gotten so much is, when when they come to collect the tax, like I was reading an article, you know, financial experts said, you know, you know, if you got any extra money laying around, kind of put that aside because I mean, for those you, when they start taxing you back, like is that going to happen next year? Is that going to happen the, the the year down the road? I don't have any clarity on like when are they going to come and say, okay, it's time to declare this as income, and we are going, we need our tax money back, so to speak. Yeah. So so it'll be taxable in the year that you earn it. So okay. when you go to file your twenty twenty one personal tax returns. Um, that's when, you know, the government already has a record. Like when your employer files your T4 with the government, the government knows exactly what you made, exactly what was withheld back and paid in taxes. They got all that catalog. So you can log into your own CR website account if you've created it and see, boom, everything that you've ever had, any TFSA, any uh, RSPs you've done, all that stuff is cataloged by the government. They have a central database. I know this may freak people out. They track you. Absolutely, right? they do. Absolutely, they and, do. Yeah, and you get a slip called a, a T4EI when you're on employment insurance. And it's like basically saying, here's your T4 slip for when you're on employment insurance. Similar thing. You're going to get the exact same thing. The only thing they haven't figured out is, it's two things they haven't figured out. And, you know, they haven't figured out when will your 2020 taxes be due? Because as you know, this year they extended the deadlines. Correct, yep. And... Um, What's the methodology of collection? Yeah. That that's yet to come and be strategic about it. They, you know, they, they want to make sure, you know, A, right now's the time not to talk about taxes, but B, you know, they want to make sure that they kind of roll it out in a logical way. But yeah, you it's not free money. Please don't ever think that. <laughs> let, <laughs> me ask, that let me ask you this, because uh, I mean you've worked with the government. Sorry to interject, but when I look at it as a as a citizen and something like this, I mean, you know when they say in life Sometimes you got to expect the unexpected. Like, this is truly the unexpected. I mean, this whole COVID-19, this is, like, if you were to say this to somebody, you know, two years ago, they'd be like, you're living, like, are you some, are, did you read a book, man? Like, are you on Fantasyland? This, like, you're talking like some weird stuff you see in a movie. It actually happened. In your opinion, do you think the government, like, when they're sitting there trying to calculate, like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to, how are we going to get this fun together? Like, is there a level of a little bit of panic or do you feel like there's a lot of people inside the government that are ready for these kinds of situations to say, okay, relax, everybody. We're in our worst case scenario. Here's what we're going to do. Like, what, what's your opinion of that? So I, I don't have to give you an opinion. I can tell you what it is. is. Sure. So provincial governments, Alberta, BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba at all, were much better prepared for this than, let's say, the federal government. Got it. And I'm, this is not me. I'm not being political. Uh, I know federal government has to run an entire country. Yeah, yeah. Right? BC can just focus on BC. Alberta can just focus on Alberta. Um, they did not see this coming at the federal level. Yeah. Right? And the reason why they did not see this coming is because there were there were plans to increase tax rates. There were plans to... And, and you know, you can, you can disagree or agree with increasing tax rates. Um, the, the whole point of this is they were wrapping up their social programs. To a different level mm. right before this hit right and if you look at the level of borrowing that the federal government was doing it's astronomical mm. yeah and so if it was this before covid it's this now oh yeah. we are at 275 billion dollars of debt and counting that's Jeez. a quarter of a trillion dollars for a population of only 37 million yeah what is it backed by i'd ask it's backed by the fact that we are the most resource rich nation in the world and we only have 37 million people. We have 30 to 40 trillion dollars of resources if the government ever decides to use it. That's a conversation for another year. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Government knows that, hey, worst case scenario, we're not Greece or Venezuela. We are, you know, we're, we're past the Saudis when it comes to oil. We're past South America when it comes to mineral wealth. And we only have 37 million people to worry about and aging out, I might add. Yes. So that's that's the whole thing. So the federal government was not prepared. 
interesting if you flip it around and you look at what happened at the provincial level, and this is not me talking out of turn, um, the way the pension plans moved prior to the market going down. So, so you look at the pension plans that run Ontario, uh, that run Alberta, that run all the different pension plans of the government employees at the provincial level. They did huge business the day the market crashed because of COVID. Did mm. they have a hint? I don't know. Was there a natural trend in the market going down? I don't know. But you have these billion dollar positions that these pension plans moved right when the market went down and they went on a buying spree. Martin, so why is that? I know you're an accountant, so I'm assuming some of this knowledge comes from this is your you know day-to-day work. But how do you know all this? Do you do you go and read books on this? Are you do you, you you know are you a part of the news? I know you you know you do a lot of work. The reason I'm asking this is the average Canadian, and I think what you know Warren Buffett said the best, right? When when the tide goes out, you figure out who's swimming without a life jacket, so to speak. I think I was even shocked at how many people were truly living within a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars of just like bankruptcy, which tells me things like that brand new shiny car on your on your on your driveway that's a payment uh your boat that's a payment your quad that's a payment you're you're coming out man you tell me you bought those nice versace glasses that was on a visa like i i i I don't know if it's my it's hard for me to relate to that because for me i'm just so like like i don't think that's bad i think there's good debt to have in different scenarios which that's a whole different conversation but i think consumer debt of going and buying crap that you can't afford that's not going to make you any more money is bad debt right i think it's okay to treat yourself i think it's okay to treat yourself i think it's okay to take you know a few things but you know like i mean if you got a credit card and it's just piling 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 but what i didn't realize and i I was even talking to my wife about she said ryan how do you not like what are you so surprised about like this is common knowledge. Like the average Canadian is living within a couple of weeks or a paycheck of like just foreclosing, so to speak. Is that true? Yeah. Is it? How do you know all that? Like I break it down for the people, man. Uh, well, like, how do I know what the pension plan did, or how yeah, do I know that people all, are living all, with? All, all of the yeah, the pension plan and all of that, because you have such a great knowledge about that. But it's also I can tell when you talk about it. Like I, I've listened to economists and accountants talk about stuff sometimes. And it, like, I want to put uh, needles in my eyes. Like, it's boring. And then there's the ones that are truly passionate about it. And I'm like, okay, you're exciting me about this. Yeah. So all this information is publicly available. Okay. Um, you know, these are all publicly traded securities, uh, pension plans, and big, big, big stock brokerages put out their annual reports as to what they're doing. And I have access to all that. I subscribe to it. I study it. I don't do anything with it. I probably should. But I just like to learn <laughs> how to. So yeah, I, I saw that. So you can think about it, for a government to have billion dollar positions of cash ready to go, they couldn't do that the day the market crashed. They had to start months in advance, Absolutely. right? So they started planning for this four or five months out to make sure that they had the liquidity ready to just pounce on the market. Mm. So, so that's, that's so obviously provincially they saw something coming. They knew that there was gonna be a hit. Um, you know, like Alberta did, Quebec, Quebec not so much, Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and BC were really ready to go. So that's how I know, how they know, I have no idea. Okay. Right? Okay, interesting. They, they, maybe the moment they saw in January when China was spraying fog all over the place, somebody smarter than this dude, and if I was in a position where I ran a hedge fund or a pension fund or an investment corp, I'd be like, you know what? Let's get the cash ready because China goes, the world goes. They are the superpower of the world. The world relies on them for everything. So there's going to be a hit because of this once that virus gets out. So and somebody can, could pop that out. And for everybody who's listening too, can you can you send me like a couple links to some public uh, information? Just you know something that you sure. know that people can go because I I feel like people are like, well, I don't know where to find that because I think you know, and even if they don't want to use the link, I mean that's your bad. But I'd like to I'd like to be able to provide that because I think that's a good resource to people. Yeah. The statistics on household debt, on personal household debt, these are published by Statistics Canada, these are published by banks, these are published by any economic newspaper. Just just search it out. You don't even need me to tell you that. But what you find is, it seems like, like I was telling you when when I was on the first time, financial literacy has taken a hit. And that goes to the card, the instant generation. So people have forgotten the, the rule of three, the third, the third, the third. Third are your expenses, Third is savings. Third is your fun fund, mm. right? Now, 
within that 33, 33.3 each side, you can move things around. You can make your fun only, you know, 20%, mm. 10% and we're there. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people follow the strategy and, and a lot of people tell you, you should always have six months. You should look at your expenses for six months and always have that ready and handy in a cash, you know, safe. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's so fu- this is funny. No, it's true. This is a funny story because everybody, everybody used to, I mean, even growing up here, like, Ryan, you're so damn cheap. And, and I'd be like, well, okay, wait, I'm like, I, I'm like, I taught myself how to cut my hair. I talked about this publicly at 13. I taught myself how to cut my own hair because I said, man, I'm going to drop him $20. I like my hair fresh every week, $80 a month, $1,000 a year. Use that money I spent from 13 to 18, $5,000. I bought my first investment property. Right. And people are like, what? From you save the money from cutting. I'm like, dude, it's just simple math. Do the math. Five grand. Why not? Now, here's where I'm going with this. I used to, when I worked at a job, I, you know, I made great money. And people at my job used to be like, dude, you bring in lunch like every single day, like a, like a schoolboy comes to work. The only time I would ever eat out lunch is if it was like a business meeting or something like that. You know, I'll go for lunch. But I was just like, why am I going to go pay like $20 plus a gratuity when like that $30 or whatever the heck I'm paying, like that'd be my lunch for the whole week. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, it didn't bother me. And it's it's interesting because COVID comes. Number one thing I seen on social media was, damn, I need a haircut. So I, I just felt like saying, yo, I told you guys you should have been learning how to cut your own hair. <laughs> there you go. There you go, right? Damn, I need a haircut. And number two is just money. So you kind of touch on the financial literacy. What do people need to do? So you talk about 33.3, 33.3, 33.3, and fun, you can, hey, you can hack it down to 20. What do people, what can yeah. people do immediately? And geez, I hope that this is at least woke them up to say, Look at your money. Get your money right. Get your finances right. Yeah. Get it in order. Well, let's. Uh, I will tell you that, but I wanted to touch on one more program that's not as popular as Please. Sir, but it's very important from the Please. government, if I can. Yes, absolutely, man. And this is for businesses as well, but it's not just corporations. If you're a not-for-profit, if you're a registered charity, if you're a labor association, a union organization, you all qualify for something called the Canada Emergency Wage Benefit. Yes. Right. Which means that for 24 weeks, 75% of your payroll, if you qualify, will be covered by the government in form of a benefit. Benefit means now, again, you know, there's going to be some tax on it. Remember that word benefit there. Of course. And, And this thing has morphed and changed over the last three months so much that what it was when the shutdown started and what it is today, completely different. People that didn't qualify 90 days ago now qualify. And if you are any of those things, if you're an individual that has payroll, because some people have payroll as individuals, you need to go to the website and read up on the updates. And you need to put a reminder to check this thing weekly because it changes weekly. Mm. So the Canada Emergency Wage Benefit, basically employers that have had their revenue impacted, and that could be people, that could be businesses or charities or whatever, and a lot of not-for-profits are struggling too, um, they have to basically do a calculation that's all online. It's very easy to do. Ask your accountant if you're, you can't. You have basically three periods that qualify. So basically what they look at is, you know, there's March to April of 2020. And if you compare that to March of 2019, and if your revenue has decreased by 15%, mm. you qualify for 75% of your wages covered. That's huge. Second period is April to May 2020. Your comparator is April of 2019. If you've had a 30% drop, notice how as you get in the months, the drop increases, yep. you qualify for 75% of your payroll to be covered. This was not around even a week and a half ago. This is all brand new, wow, that's right? Great. The government is willing to help you, but the onus and responsibility is on you as a family member, as a person, or as a business owner to keep checking the website. And I guarantee you, everybody's dropped 30%, unless you're a liquor store. Yeah. Or a yeah. grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> Those liquor stores, so it's so true. <laughs> yeah. So this right now, May to June of 2020. And if you drop 30% from May to June of 2019, you qualify to have 75% of your wages covered. For a lot of businesses and people, that is a massive cost. So yeah. make sure you check the website. The calculation is all online. You can all be eligible. And remember, not just a business anything that has salaried employees qualifies for this subsidy 
And a lot of people are, oh no, this is more important than serve, right? Because twofold, this will help you with a major cost of business and operations, which is wages. And it will help with job retention because if you have 75% of wages covered, you don't have to lay off people. So it's a huge, it's a twofold benefit. Absolutely. So, so that's one thing. So to answer your question, what can people do to get their money right? Go read, look at updates. This thing changes, right? Um, in British Columbia, we had a thousand dollar one time payment, not taxable to all eligible British Columbians. A lot of people didn't even know about it. Yeah. Yeah. If you qualify for CERB, you qualify for this. Now it's a thousand dollar one time payment, but it works. But even this, the Canada Emergency Wage Benefit, people thought, well, back in March it didn't qualify and they to hell with it. Yeah. What they gotta realize is this is evolving. New data comes in, the government will change the program. So you've got to make sure, like before only March and April were recovered, now it's April to May, May to June. If you look at the trend, if CERB got extended from eight weeks as of July 5th, I guarantee you this is going to get extended because the government knows they have to keep the economy going. Mm. So, so, so yeah, look at, look, that's a second program that doesn't get a lot of press because a lot of people don't understand it. Like, what do you mean? 30% reduction from this period? It's simple. Go on the website, fill it out. Better yet, have your account or bookkeeper do it. Because mm. that's huge. That's right? Huge, if you are a huge. Yeah, if you're a small business, a small contracting or construction company, that's one thing you do get your money right. Mm. To, to keep going with that focus, we'll move on to, you know, if you're a person or you're, like I said, you've got a business you're running. Like, I, I can't speak to somebody who's lost their job. Like, that's a separate issue. But let's just sure. look at business, the small business. Um, one thing you've got to realize is, you know, you should really review your insurance policies. Little known fact, a lot of commercial insurance policies have what they call business interruption insurance. Ah, yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Great one. Inspire, not theft, business interruption, which covers a lot of different things. And your insurance, uh, you know, small hint, your insurance company is not going to voluntarily tell you you qualify for that. Of course. They'll collect your... Of course. So, so you know what? That boring document in nine nine point alpha font that just is so hard to read it kills your eyes like a privacy agreement. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you if you ticked off the business interruption insurance box and you've been paying for it, hey, this will cover you. Yeah. Now you don't want this like you know if you think about it as a terrible example of Hurricane Katrina, a lot of insurance companies didn't tell people that they covered them. Jeez. Right? Yeah. They're not gonna that we'll cover business and this qualifies the government has deemed this as business interruption yeah so your insurance policy um if you're a guy that's in construction and you have to buy supplies you know like a lot of people in construction out there small or big yeah go to your suppliers who you buy your wiring your your materials from and negotiate reduced prices or negotiate delayed payment terms uh, it sounds i know it sounds hokey everybody's got but think about it they're suffering too of course. They're not moving in. You're not buying. Of course. You know what? If they can, they can, their credit line can hold it, they will extend credit to you and let you kind of delay payment. You know, every every makes fun of the banks for saying, and I'm a pro-bank guy, so maybe I'll catch some crap for this. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, three months. They'll just tack it on to the end of your mortgage term or they'll charge interest. Yes. However, if your cash flow need is immediate, you might want to go for that you know, three month break on your mortgage. That's what individually, you know, if your business that owns the lease, it, you know, go to your landlord and just have a conversation. Look, I can either declare bankruptcy and not pay you anything and good luck finding someone or we gotta, you know, extend my lease term by three months. Yeah. You know, you have to have a difficult conversation. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the combination of reviewing the government programs out there and familiarizing yourself Yep. Just because it says something on Tuesday, it's going to change by Wednesday or Thursday. Absolutely. So keep, yep. if you're checking your social media every day, you should be checking the government website every day. Yeah. Canada I mean, Revenue gotta, Yeah, it's it's interesting because, again, you're talking about advocation. Like, you got you to gotta advocate for yourself. It's like going to the doctor and being diagnosed. You know, go get a second opinion. Go get a third opinion. You know, hop online. Yeah. Research it. It's 
people people give a lot of power into you know quote unquote professionals but i like to tell people these professionals are dealing with a high volume of people and i want to remind people they're human they make mistakes they don't know everything we're all humans here so it's you know you're you're right it's that real focal point on the individual level to say you know ask the tough questions is what you're saying you know get informed there's no bad question there never is a bad question in my opinion there's never a bad question every question is a great question yeah and, and a lot of the accounting professional websites for all the accounting firms out there they have checklists that they have online that you can go and use free of charge mm. you know and there's certain things on this they like you know for example like you know there's you know one of the websites for one of the prominent accounting firms i'm not going to give them free advertising but we'll just say one of the accounting firms they have a checklist for with the whole reopening going from phase two to phase three mm. you know here's everything you need to do you know, it kind of tells you, well, can you reopen? That's the first question they ask. Mm. You know, have you reviewed your jurisdictional rules around, are you allowed to open up? Does your business qualify? And as you go from phase two to phase three, especially Alberta, this will apply to you. Should you? What's the risk of um, resuming operations? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, do you have, you know, if you're an office building, do you have the physical distance requirements? Yeah. Right. I, I, I can tell you right now, somebody who I consult with, they have leased office space in Calgary and all their cubicles were bunched up oh, and, yeah. and they were low. Yeah. So when the provincial inspector came in and said, uh-uh, you got to have the distancing. Yes. Right. They opened. Yes. They had people come back prior to having all that in place. Yeah. Right. And yeah. key thing, separate entrance and exits. Yes. So you end one way, you leave another way. Yeah. And that is the thing you will get dinged for with these health inspectors. Let me right? ask you this too. There's been a lot of conversation and talk around liability issues. So if I come into your business and maybe I can prove that I got COVID-19 because maybe you didn't follow the guidelines, like what, what's your opinion on that? Is that just murky or hocus pocus? Or do you think there's any, any you know, legitimacy to it? More of a risk in America than Canada. Yeah. Canada does not have the same litigious laws. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, America has that liability harm law in it, and it's a very weird statute. It goes state by state. Yeah. In Canada, it's tough. Yeah. In Canada, your overarching defense is, hey, there's a public health emergency. You were told. However, the government, the public health officer can come in and find you or whoever, whoever runs that part of WorkSafe or, or whoever can say, you're not following our guidelines, you can't operate. Mm. Which is why they have the guidelines printed and ready to go. Because guess what? The inspector coming to inspect your business is human too. And is probably on his 10th, 5th business is tired, may not know. Yeah. So you got to be ready to have that conversation before, because they do have the power to shut you down. Of course. You know? Of course. And so... You ought to think about that, right? So, do you, you know, so when you say "should you," what's the impact? You have a physical distancing requirements. How? How do you protect workers? You know, what's your first step, and what step do you prioritize? Well, first step is, and this is more important, is if right now you can have people that work from home, let them work from home, mm. right? Mm. You know, law offices, a lot of um, accounting offices, a lot of uh, insurance businesses are doing half capacity, right? They're having only certain people rotating through coming into the office, the rest work from home. Is it harder to have assess uh, accountability when your workers are at home? Absolutely, but this is the reality. But this, is a, this is a great segue because one of the things I want to ask you is what do you think about, how do you think this is going to change the landscape of, of telecommuting or, or remote work? Because, you know, it's it's interesting how, and I mean, I, I, I've always ran my business from home and I mean, I've even came into conversations with clients and stuff like that that were like, well, we really want like an office or we want you to come in or like they, you know, there's still kind of a little old school mentality around, well, am I going to get the same level of professionalism or, you know, accountability, so to speak. And now I'm seeing companies that, you know, are using Zoom and technology. You have, you have old school people now that are like, they're on Zoom like crazy, you know, talking with their staff. And it, it, there's been a lot of great feedback from the company level saying, oh my goodness. Like I called my credit card company or my bank the other day. The guy's like, yo, I'm working from home. I can actually hear his child in yep. the background. He's like, I'm sorry. I said, don't be sorry, man. You got kids, man. I'm a father. Don't be sorry about that at all. Like we're, we're going through yeah. some crazy times. What do you, do you think that you will see commercial real estate, the lease, you know, kind of the, the vacancy rate increase, or do you think things will go back to normal? 
so to speak. So uh, that's the double-edged sword. And yeah. this is something that you have to watch really closely with all these. So so check out all the big real estate investment corporations, the Rio Cans of the world, um, Reprop, re- like in it's a real estate investment uh, fund. Look at what they're doing. Look at their values. Yeah. The reason being, a lot of people I know, a lot of prominent businessmen, that business people that have office space that just sign new leases are kicking themselves. Because what this realizes, why am I spending X amount of dollars per square foot on a lease and paying exorbitant amounts for a T1 internet line, for a phone line, yeah. when employees, they have internet at home. Everybody does. Maybe not 20 <laughs> years ago. They do. Yeah, uh, they does. all you know, why they have their house they can work from yeah. you know and, and a business that's maybe hurting in their bottom line can say why do i need to pay expensive office real estate space if all this business can be done from home yeah so you watch that trend do i think it's the death of commercial real estate well i hope not <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, horse and buggy carriages gave away to taxis. Right? I just think about I just think about competition with inside the you know same respective industry because if if my if I'm you know company A and I'm going out to bid on a project or they're asking me what my, what my rates are and I can be a lot leaner maybe by thirty percent because my you know my my competitor you know he's got the big office space and the shiny signs and the lighting and I'm like listen I can get the same quality work done if not better for this amount. 100%. Right, hundred percent, and that's, that's the next point. Is your point about running lean and running agile? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Government offices across the country are thinking like, man, why are we leasing space? Yeah, that's right? the government. Like, they're the <laughs> slowest. Office, yeah, right? that's true. Uh, yeah, it's true. So, so that's great. You could save. 25, 30%, whatever your lease costs of, of overhead, if you are a certain type of business. Yeah, true, right? of course. Um, who, who this is not gonna work for, uh, if you're a real estate agent, if you're a car dealership, yeah. um, if you're a mechanic, um, you know, retail to a certain extent, groceries, yeah, there's home delivery services, but we're not at the point where we can just blindly shop for groceries online. All these real estate agents that have said, I'm just gonna do virtual showings. If you wanna sell, if you're selling a rental investment property, that's fine. You're not emotionally attached to it. Yeah. But for those of us that are buying our home, we need to go and tactile feel it. Of course, of course. Of course. I'm a car. I'm a car free. I'm not buying a car online. I gotta sit in it. I gotta smell it. I gotta drive it. I gotta just know how it feels and fits. So for them, it's not practical. They shouldn't jump on just getting rid of all their inventory and getting rid of their lots. No, you you need that. It's interesting because um, you are so, you are a car guy, and, and and I know the marketing and the automotive world obviously very well. And it's interesting because it's always broken up into discovery and then consideration, right? You want to buy your nice Corvette, you're in discovery mode. You're looking at pictures online, doing your own research. But then once you get down into that consideration mode, you're like, man, I, I need to I, I need to go and touch this thing. I want to I want to physically touch it. But we do talk about digital mental ownership, which is you know if a dealer comes out automatically on your search or your discovery and. You're just like, oh, I love the information they're giving me. You're, you're already kind of somewhat attached to them. And, you know, that's where that digital uh, mental ownership comes in. But, yes, once you get to consideration and you want to buy it, that's where that, that tactile really does. It, 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 I think it is still pre- prevalent. And I know there's companies like you've heard of Carvana. You know, you buy the car, they ship yep. it to your like what do you think that we could go into that full fully eventually? Or you think there's always going to be guys like you that are like, no. I want to touch it. Something about having our risk-free shipped to your house and you have seven days to return it is so juicy. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I could have my dream car shipped to my house, contactless delivery. Here you go, man. Seven days, let us know if you want to keep it. Yeah. You got seven. And you know what the brilliance of that is? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not giving you 50-minute test drives with a dealer sitting right there telling you where you can go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To decide. I'm giving you seven days to fall in love. First date, second date, third date. It's brilliant. On your own right? terms. On your own yeah. terms. With no pressure. See, see it sitting in your garage. Yeah. Not on a lot. <laughs> right? It's true, man. It's true. Go 
Go, go, go take your golf bag, stick it in the trunk, and roll up onto the golf course. And my God, this is my, it's brilliant. It's, it's whoever, yeah. like, I gotta look at you. You know what? It's funny. I just see you came with the idea of just, you know, Genesis does this. And this yeah. is how I know. Because I, I booked a Genesis chest drive because I'm kind of impressed with what that brand has done, considering where Hyundai was and what it became and what Genesis is digging to the next Dude, level. Dude, they're beautiful, man. Um, I have to say, they're beautiful. So, I see them on the road and I'm like, is that a is that yeah. a is that a Bentley and Aston? Martin? I'm like that's a Genesis. <laughs> I'm like wow. So pre 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 Carvana pre Carvana, I went to the Hyundai dealer. I'm like, hey, I want to test drive a Genesis. Guys, like, no problem. Hands me a black card. Be like, um, just let me know what dates are available. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, no, just don't worry about it. Just let me know. I get a phone call. They come to my house, bring the car. Yeah. Right. And the guy's like, here you go, sir. Um, I'll see you in a couple of hours. So this isn't the seven days. This is the pre-pre, but yep. oh my God, you want an oil change? No problem. Come to your house, drop off a loaner, take your car, go Dude, to the oil change, drop off. I'm telling you. To me. I'm telling you. See, this is the thing, yeah. right? And then the discussion becomes with the whole ride sharing Uber and all these things, you know, traditionally what was two, three car home, you know, households, you know, now a lot of people are saying, do I need two cars? You know, do I... You know, and and then and then what's happening is your level of service on your one car. Like, trust me. And I mean, I I was saying this when the automotive industry was like, "Fuck Ryan, he's a sh like, I, dude." I started saying social media was selling cars, and every dealer's like, "You're a fucking idiot." Social media doesn't sell cars. <laughs> ah, like I literally have video footage that I'm I'm right. I'm waiting for the juicy moment to put up, and it literally said, "Like it's 2012." I I'm saying this. And a dealer gets up and says, wow. you, know, you know nothing, dude, about selling cars. Like, he told me on stage in front of 7,000 people, win Las Vegas. Lily said, social media doesn't sell cars. And the same guy, two years later, we've sold like 80 cars on Facebook last month. But anyways, my point, though, is that it's interesting because I, I always thought, why do I have to go into a showroom? I, I got to talk to my manager. You know what? You're not. They're not doing anything with their manager. They're they're, they're 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 tingling each other's balls, talking about pizza and golf or something, right? This is the truth. I don't. I don't care. I, I I'm very. I love the automotive industry, but I'm I'm its biggest biggest critic because it's just so mundane and so ass backwards. But the dealers that are doing things forwards are reaping benefits, bro. Like it used to be, you would have a crappy dealer, a middle dealer, and a great dealer. There ain't no more middle. You're crappy or you're great. Because the consumer says, hey, I shouldn't have to go wait in a showroom for four hours to buy a vehicle. Like, why? Like, let's let's queue in Amazon. Like, come on, dude. One click and you're done. Right? And I know it's a car, so, but... No, but you, you brought up a brilliant point that my marketing professor told me when I was in university. And he said to me, he's like, Amar, every hotel room in the world looks the same with your eyes closed. Yeah. But why is Ritz Carlton charging you 800 bucks a night and Motel 6 is charging you 50 bucks a night? Yeah. Experience. Yeah. So when you're saying car dealerships, you know, every car is going to be the same. It's going to get you to point A to B. Let's not talk about the brand part. Who cares? Your yeah. brand is your brand. Car dealerships, if you look at that hotel theory, car is a car. Every dealership is the same. You got the pretty girl at the front or guy, whatever you're into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? They got the I see dress salesmen. It's all the same. They've got, yeah. you know, here you go. Here's a free Galaxy tablet. Yeah. You know, or whatever. <laughs> Who cares? And Amar, oh, you're an accountant. That ain't free. That TV ain't free. No. You know that's built oh. into that loan on the back end, brother. You know it is. But, <laughs> but if you bring the dealership to my house and just get out of my way, you know, if I go check into Win Las Vegas or Hilton down in Vegas and they've got my history, well, yeah. they know... Mr. Gill, he likes to have Ciroc vodka and he likes uh, Avion water. Not, yeah. It's not real, I'm just an example. Yeah. And he likes to have mints. Yeah. When I book <laughs> and I'm going down to Vegas, they, and they, they know for a fact that, oh, guess what's available? They've got my Ciroc, they've, they've got my water, they've got my mints, right? Yeah. They know he likes to golf early. Oh, when you check in, oh, Mr. Gill, I've already made the reservation for you at the golf course your tea time is 9 a.m we got yeah. we got a car ready to take you that's that, that's just fancy stuff but that's just an example dealerships that are doing that 
yeah. are the ones that are like, hey, I know who you are. You're not just a random person. I'll give you an example of a terrible dealership. I won't mean in my name. I bought a Jeep years ago, and I've since then moved from Edmonton, and they know I moved, and they know that I no longer live there. I used to get phone calls from a dealership yeah. and saying, hey, we've got a sale on XYZ vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Your CRM system is not helping you. Yeah. Right? You know, it's, it's um, funny because we, we used to talk about customer touch programs all the time. Hey, Ryan, what's a customer touch? You know, I'm like, okay. I, I remember one guy, he starts bringing me through this thing. If you can't explain it to an eight-year-old or an 88-year-old, you don't know well enough. This is my theory with everything in life. I don't care how smart you are, but if you're talking to somebody that does not know the, the subject in which you're speaking of, you need to be able to bring it down to their level. And if you cannot do that, you, you need to figure out your communication skill or figure out if you know it well enough. That's my opinion. But this guy was touching his customers so much. I said, you know, in in any other, you know, industry, this would be called harassment. Like her, like, okay, so they they come in and buy the car. Okay, one week later, we're going to send a, okay, you bought the car. Okay, a month later. Okay, two months later. On the one year, okay, it's time for service. I said, isn't that so nice? You buy a beautiful vehicle, second largest purchase of your life. And the only communication you're giving your customer is to tell them that they bought a piece of shit car and it's time to bring it in for servicing. (laughs) So what I, so he says, well, what do you propose, Ryan? I said, how about, because we're living in 2020, let's send out via text a $25 Starbucks gift card and say, happy birthday, Amar, on your vehicle. Hope you two are having fun today. Coffee's on us. Like, dude, what I, and and that's what you're talking about, Ritz Carlton. It's not even that it's 25 bucks or $2,500. It's about shit these guys are giving me like a little bit of experience here right so so become that hotel that collects accurate data on your customer base yeah if yeah. you are calling me three years after i've moved to come to your showroom to see a car yeah your crm system sucks but you that's the problem with the, but but historically dealers it's it's terrible you know what salespeople do right when the customer's sitting there jane doe blah 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 the, their data is so dirty and so it, like they have to scrub through their stuff. Like for instance, it's funny we did a we did a data scrub on a dealer one time. They had sixty five thousand names. Seven yeah. thirty thirty two percent of them were Jane Doe's, and the rest were duplicates. Like it was sad. One sales guy was taking Amar Gill's information and putting in the CRM just on everyone because he was lazy. And I said, not to mention the privacy issues. Like it. <laughs> You don't even want to know. Like, it was just bad. <laughs> you know, but you know what the flip side of that is? There's a dealership in Edmonton, very prominent family. We won't give them a shout out, but I know yeah. them. You know, you've heard of them. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful yeah. CRM system. Yeah. Amazing CRM system. Like, when I went and ordered my new car, he had, the guy showed me a CRM system. He had everything. Statistics buying patterns like he when they he interviewed me and he he took detailed notes not even have to take them he had the computer dictate them oh yeah right so yeah. he can just everything's populated yes. and that's what you gotta so if you're a business so to, 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 to bring it back full circle how you survive the new economy you gotta make sure you're doing those little things and becoming even more personal if you're a law firm or an accounting firm that wants to get clients and you can't meet face to face and you can only do it this way. Well, you, your charm, your charm, in-person charm is gone. It's going to be your tools that you use to collect customer data and information yep. that'll make the difference between you in business or not. Yeah, you know. And but I there's I don't know how it, you. It's so it's so interesting. This is this is a fascinating conversation because I'm telling you, like it's it, the, the 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 magnitude of a relationship you can build though without meeting face to face now in today's world is absolutely amazing, right? Like even on LinkedIn, when somebody connects with me, I take my phone, I press voice message. Hi, Amar, thanks so much for connecting. I see you're a chartered accountant. Uh, don't worry, this this is not a pitch. And I send you a funny video of me talking about how I hate pitches on the first message. And it's hilarious because I'm dancing to some house music. 
I sent this video and people get back and I know they're busy and they're like, dude, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> but you are your brand. But well, yes, but right away you're like, you built that that piece of digital currency with them. And nine times out of ten, when you do get to the point of meeting them face to face, in my experience, it's off the chain. Because I've already had a few interactions with the person leading up. It's not just cold. You know what I mean? Yeah. So think about it this way, right? We met for the first time. Yeah. And it was fun. Oh, yeah. And we never met before. In fact, yeah. online. We've, only met, we've only met once. We've only met in person yeah. once. <laughs> That's the point. So so, so the, the advantages of really becoming dialed in and laser sharp on your customer relationship management using online tools and not being able to meet face-to-face is the positive side of that. Correct. Saving money on expensive leases for offices and office space, a positive. The double edge of that sword is we still need social interaction. We yes. need variety to be able, and a lot of accounting partners that I talked to recently are telling me, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's becoming too routine. I'm not having as much fun because I, I can't go meet a client, sit down, enjoy a meal, I can't talk to an accounting student face to face and explain things. That part is getting missed. And Interesting. we as human beings, we need people. So yeah. as great as it is, you can refine all your virtual tools. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. The reason I'm saying is, is commercial real estate dead? Well, hold on. Not so yeah, not no, so fast. No, no. no. Right? And here's what I'm saying to you. We still have calculators. Think about that just for one second. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We have our phones, there's still calculators. Texas Instruments still sells millions of dollars with calculators. Yeah. So what that tells me is it'll evolve. It won't be as prominent. Yeah. But the, the, the part about us needing face-to-face social interaction is, is going to be huge. Business is still going to be done. Maybe the touch point, the starting point, as you said, is virtual. It's a final thing. I still need to see you. We still need to share you know, lunch together to discuss a plan. Creativity flows better when you're face-to-face. So it's really, it's really, it's really interesting because, I mean, I have this conversation all the time. Even even my wife, she's like, you don't really uh, enjoy public places. And I'm like, I wouldn't say I have social anxiety. And what's really funny is when I bring this up, people start laughing because they're like, Ryan, you're one of the most like outgoing people. Yes, to a degree. But I don't crave in-person interaction a lot and maybe it's because i'm a dad now and i'm busy as hell i got kids i got my wife like if they're it's funny because even when somebody's like well if you get any downtime now like what do you do and i'm like i'm gonna be by myself like i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna just go take a walk or have a drink or something like i just i just need to chill because it's you know my days are nuts but i I hear what you're saying because i do talk to a lot of people and they're like ryan like I, i need i need to see flesh like i need to i need to shake somebody's hand i need to have that and it's interesting because I'm like, oh, no, like everybody, everybody's different. And some people like they've had a hard time with this COVID thing. I mean, they, they're like, I I don't know what to do. Right. I, I look at my neighbor across the street. The guy, he's he's a he's a retired orthodontist. Uh, he's completely introverted. This is his heaven. He's like, I'm happy. This is great. I need him. get al- Yeah. Me and him get along so well because I just love when I talk to him because me and him both have this unofficial agreement that. Yeah, so it's like, oh, yeah, how's it going? Okay, cool, yeah, okay, great. Everything's good, doc? He's like, yeah, take care, Ryan, bye. Like, we just know. And then his wife is like, so how's everything going, guys? What's going on? And does not know, like, is craving any kind of human, you know, interaction, right? So so I hear what you're saying, though. Uh, it's a great point. If you look at doctor's offices, they started doing teleconsults. Yeah. Right? On the phone or over Skype, right? Um, yeah. my, my, my physician is in Kelowna. We, we do this kind of thing, right? Yeah. And he does my blood work, checks it, but we still talk like this. I don't go in to see him because he lives in Kelowna. Okay, yeah. But what he told me is the accuracy of diagnosis, and my wife tells me the same thing, my sister tells me the same thing, they're all physicians as well. Yeah. The accuracy of diagnosis is not as pinpoint if they're in person. So isn't that interesting? Of course. Of course. Like the I blood do work agree. tells I do. Story, yeah. Right? Blood work can tell you the biochemistry, but I need to I need to see, I need to talk, maybe I need to feel, I need to check your breathing, right? I need no. to do the reflex. Though that yeah. so how do you ever get around that? Right? No, there there's there's a level, no, there's a level of uh, human energy. Like I believe in energy, man. I believe in frequency, yeah. I believe in energy. There's some yeah. things that cannot be translated through a screen and through pixels. They just can't. Uh yeah. and, and when somebody Ooh. comes in 
Well, I even find like, you know, when you text somebody, you know, sometimes the conversation goes weird and you're like, well, I got to pick up the phone. Like, what kind of tone is this? Like, maybe maybe I took this the wrong way <laughs> or the emails or something. Right. And then, you know, or somebody, you know, they're going through something in life and you're like, I'm, they're not giving me the full story. Like, I got this. And when I see them in person, I'm like, come on, man. Like, tell me what's going on. Like, because you just feel the energy. Right. No, no. I think I think yeah. the interactions uh, very important. I think humans will always find a way to intersect and, and, and interact. There's some professions. Don't get me wrong. You need to go see them. You know, you need to, to physically see them. Like, I, I, there's no getting past it, in my opinion. Right. So, so if you're a, if you're a professional or if you're a business thinking, yeah, I'm going to go completely online, we'll just take a pause. Let's not get yeah. too crazy. Yeah. Right. Like to see how the market develops. So, yeah. Um, the answer is a lot of accounting firms and law offices, they're maybe going to reduce their office space in the future yeah. Yeah. and have like a sort of a, a hospital system where different people are in the office on different days. Yeah. So it's not going to go away completely, yeah. but it will evolve. People and that work from home, it's, like for me, nothing's really changed because I've always worked, you know, I've always worked from, from home. That's where my studio office is. And, but the one thing for me, even because you, when you do work at home, it's isolating, very isolating. So where I get my interaction is when I go for lunch or when I go do when I go do a visit. That for me has been a little tough because I'm like, man, I like I, I want to like got a Rolodex of people. I'm like, geez, you know, you don't even. There's no restaurant open. It's I'm like, are you sick? I don't want to see you. It's just weird, right? I feel like I'm talking about an apocalypse or something. So um, okay, just to wrap everything up, uh, you gave a couple good tips for small businesses <clears throat> on a on a one-to-one consumer household you know person mom and dad husband wife whatever the situation is what can what should people do immediately to really start kind of being proactive or fighting kind of with what i think you know we're gonna see some real ripples come through over time yeah so the worst is yet to come yes i believe that i know that it's not we, we, you know, if, you, if I just told you we're a quarter trillion dollars in debt as a country, that debt has to be paid. Of course. What we're doing right now is printing money and devaluing our currency. And like I said, yeah. that, that's not a political thing. Pure band-aid. Pure band-aid. Just yeah. a band-aid. So, so what the average, if you want to just distill down what the average household family can do, well, let's start, let's start, I'll, I'll go simplest way ever. Let's go with the most basic, simple thing. Um, you know, your expensive cable package? $300 a month, you really only need internet. Yeah, <laughs> so true, so true. Netflix is $8 a month, Amazon Prime has, Amazon Prime, so many benefits have, it's got great TV shows, streaming services are more and more important. You know, say goodbye, just have yeah. your internet. And that right there, now you're saying, well, I'm, I'm saving 200 bucks a month, 200 times 12, 200 times 24 months. 2400, 4800, so, so, it's lots. Yeah. You know, and I'm gonna and now I'm gonna get really geeky with you. Your bank account, your checking fees, your bank service fees for everyday transactions. Go back to your bank, and you know, for example, I've been with I've been with my bank RBC since 1993. That is yep. a long ass time. Yeah. Right. You know, hey, should I really be paying 20 bucks a month in service charges? Oh yeah. Now people are like, yeah. oh, it's 20 bucks. Here's it's you're gonna have a bank account for the rest of your life. How much do you pay for your cell phone? Me personally? Yeah, yeah, man. Come on. Uh, I'm not asking you for your SIN is, number. Just ask for your no, cell phone amount. <laughs> my my cell phone bill is seventy eight. Oh, oh, mine's seventy two. Twenty gigab- Twenty gigabytes, unlimited data, but it slows down to fifty percent. Uh, I think speed after the twenty gigabytes, unlimited calling, text. I'm with Telus. I call Telus oh, every. I call Telus every single year, and I just simply say, "What can you do for me?" Exactly, and, and every household can do that. That they just they just don't think about that because it's only twenty Woo! bucks a month. It's only this, hey, Mr. Jamaica is cheaper than Mr. India. I'm telling you, <laughs> I got you beat by six <laughs> bucks. I like it. This made me feel happy today. I know I'm saving on Amar. <laughs> no, you got more data than I. I'm only at fifteen. Oh no, I negotiate that. I need that twenty, man. I I, I need that twenty. I'm too active online to, to have less than less than twenty. <laughs> so, so if you want to think about the other part that you want to get granular in savings is um, start buying bulk food. Yes. Right. Yes. Bulk food. 
on average, if you buy rice in a package yes. or you buy bulk food, you know, per pound, you are saving at least 35% going Bro, bulk. I love, I, I, it's so culture that you said that too, man. Rice is life in my house. Like we got the, we got the big, the big bag, man. I got my Asian rice. Like yeah. it's, it's amazing. Right. Do you cook, yeah. Amar? Do you, you cook have- Indian food at all? Uh, do you I know how to cook? Do you know how to cook, cook Indian food? I can cook regular white food. Okay. I can cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see that. No, I can see that. So, so stop buying packaged goods. Buy in bulk, and you, you may not, you may only see a twenty percent savings, but you know, per month, that 30 percent savings adds up. People got to understand top value of money. Absolutely. Right? You know, if you want to look at it even more. Look at the lighting in your house. Another huge expense, utilities, right? Yes. You can get you can get energy efficient lights that will cut your electricity bill down yep. 15 to 20%. Again, these are micro point movements, but they are cumulative. Absolutely. Right? It's Absolutely. like, you know, I have one subscriber that pays me $1,500 a month, or I could have 1,500 subscribers paying me $3 a month. What's going to give me better bang for buck, right? Um, you just, you just, you just, you just, you just, uh, named off almost like a quote verbatim of the GoDaddy CEO. He said his whole philosophy when he created GoDaddy, cause the websites and all that, as he said, I want to charge many less, not, you know, yes. less more, so yeah. to speak. Right. And he went on that model. Yeah, yeah. So this is all it. You know what? Gym membership. Ah, you know what? You can, the YouTube has so many free classes that you can do with body weights alone and be 100%. just as effective, you need to pay hundred bucks at a gym. So yeah. I'm just giving you all these ranges where you can say, you know what, the, the best one, your car doesn't need premium gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does nothing. It is bullshit. It is nothing <laughs> it's, right? yeah, I've, yeah, so, yeah. Or you know what, you know what, if you're thinking of buying a vehicle, go with the Leaf or Tesla. Because yeah. the savings, if you if you buy the supercharger for the home and you still look at gas prices on a long-term benefit versus electricity, nine day. Are you still driving right? a Corvette? You're a Corvette guy, right? Are you still driving a Corvette? Yeah. What did you have before? Is it, is it the black one? You used to post the pictures black about one, it. Then black one, the gray and yellow one's on the way. Oh, wow. So are you, are you, are you keeping both of them? No, black one I sold when I got married. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I was moving as well. And did you have a cousin yeah. or something that had one too or something? Because I seen you always was going with some guy or who had another court. Is that just yeah, a buddy? Yeah, yellow. Yeah, yeah yellow, yellow one. one. Yes, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had the black and the yellow one. But okay. yeah, I'm a Corvette guy. But then again, you know what? I don't spend money in other areas. Uh, I know. Right? Yeah. You know, I was giving you everyday costs. The maintenance on electric vehicles is way less than the maintenance. Like, so... You know, it's a lifestyle and it's almost like a, a sort of perspective shift that what I take for granted, I can't take for granted. Now, if somebody, yeah. if I just sat down and told somebody, hey, you know, you don't need a new laptop every three years. Do you find you that a lot of people, do you find that a lot of people go and upgrade phones every time a new phone comes out? Do you find that so, though? Or, or, or yes. is that a misconception? Or do you- That's horrific. Yeah. 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 It's you, dumb. How about you only upgrade when it's available free? Yeah. Yeah. Every three years, do your contract every three years, and if Telus or Bell wants you, give me my free phone. If not, I'll go somewhere else. So these, the way our lives are, we waste so much money on on stupid little things that we don't realize. Modern, here's a modern day problem: How many subscriptions do people have? Do they even know? You got iTunes. It's so true. So true. Do you know how much money is going out? If it's only eight bucks a month, seventeen bucks a month, so true. You might want to look because it's not just eight bucks at one point in time. It is eight bucks over a lifetime. We had a guest on really the other. Eight? We had a guest on the other day. He owns a business, and he said, as soon as this COVID thing hit, he the first thing he did is start going through all his credit card statements, figuring out where the hell's all my money in. Can I cut anywhere? He's like, Ryan, I must have had at least like two to three grand of charges. Like I didn't even know I was still paying for these. He's like, I was upset, but he's like, I went to the website. I didn't cancel my subscription. So they told me, snooze, you lose, man. Like we told you, you can cancel here. It's a voluntary system, right? Yeah, but you, so, great point. Great point. So, 
So if you look at all that, so I, and I ran the numbers because, you know, I, I, so I took an average household with an average household income of $75,000 a year, right? So that's mom, dad, and two kids. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the average, right? People make more, people make less. Yeah. Doesn't matter. 75 is the average. That's what you need to make in North America to be quote unquote happy according to all the studies, right? Yeah, yeah. If your lifestyle fits it. And yeah. I did a quick calculation on grocery bills, on utilities, heating, and on entertainment. And I, I took a very conservative approach. And the net savings using all these over one month turned out to be at least $550. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so if you, if you could, you could, and you could, that was me being conservative. You could go hardcore and extreme. If you need to just survive and get through the next year, yeah. you can do it. But if you, if you can save 550, I guarantee you can save seven. Of if you course. get to 700, that's like grocery bill per month. Well, well grocery bill is probably close to thousand, yeah, yeah. but that's still, you can, you can do all that. And you know what? Do you need to put your kid in hockey? I don't know, for $2,000 to make the NHL? I don't know, choose soccer, it's cheaper. <laughs> I love right? it. Amari, we got to wrap this up. Uh, please, th- first of all, thank you, man. This has been absolutely amazing. I think there's a lot of takeaways here. Can chop this way up into many different pieces. Also, man, thanks for sponsoring the show again. I know we said it on the first one, but I appreciate you. I've been uh, I've been talking a lot about sponsorships that people have been coming at it. I'm like, man, I'm so specific on um, somebody asked me because episode 99, I mean, we, we already got, I got seven more in the, in the bank or whatever, but we're already past it, but hundred, we're going to do something really big. But somebody said, Ryan, you still haven't really taken on like any major sponsors. You got, you got a couple of smaller sponsors. I said, I don't know. I just don't want to take money from people right now because then, then it's like you take a major sponsor. Maybe it changes the vibe of things, but you know, it's, it's interesting. And we'll talk more about that later, but sponsorship and everything, it's, it's, it's really cool. We're going to do some big things on the show, but I appreciate you and Jordana and a, and a couple others. And you want to know the Ryan Holtz bump? What it was? For what my was podcast? it? The Ryan Holtz bump. Sorry. <laughs> I'll give you what the bump on my podcast was after I was on your show. What was the bump? So how many people went on? So, yep. so what do you think? What do you, I'll just give you an example. What do you think? So remember, if I, actually, I, if I looked at it, I think I could tell the exact number, but I don't know. Tell, what's the number? Right, so, so before that, when I just did my little four or five episodes and I was averaging, I think I was averaging, what was something like 61 listeners a week? Yeah. Just from bullshit, right? Sending it to friends and all that. Yeah. And it was, it was all like Alberta and maybe a couple in BC. And after I was on your show, it jumped to 275 listeners a week. Across. That's nice. So somebody looked. That's so, nice. Right? After that, it jumped to 565 downloads a week. Wow, man! Congratulations. And I'm not. I'm not trying to be commercial podcast. I'm just doing this just for the sake of learning. And I went up. So look at that. That is a. You want to think about that? Is a 895 percent jump in listenership. Okay. Right? So and now, trying- now you need. Now you need to get off this. I need you to write that in an email and put the quote and put your name after that. No, that's great. I like to know those numbers. That's great. Yes, I, I got I, no, I think that. I think. I, I think that's. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. It's interesting because it's an ongoing conversation because now, like, I've had guests, dude, and they're just like, well, like, where are you taking this thing? Like, what do you want to... I had Evan Carmichael. I don't know if you heard Evan Carmichael. Evan Carmichael's massive, 2.35 million subs, number one entrepreneurship uh, channel on YouTube, out of Toronto, fantastic guy. I literally used 25 minutes with him, and I said, I'm going to be so self-serving this podcast. And I said, man, you know, I love marketing, but dude, and I'm, I know you know, I love this podcasting. Love this. Like it's a, it, it, it pained me to say it publicly that like it's equal to marketing for me. It, it, Cause I'm so like, I'm obsessed with marketing. It's, it's kind of like my, it's my whole like fabric, but it's your so box. You What's yeah, that? You took a guy, you took a guy who has zero skill in this, zero exposure online, nothing. And 895% increase in listenership and feedback. People start yes. talking to me. Yes. I got people reaching out to me for consulting gigs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is, I turned them down because I'm yeah. not, that's not what yeah, I'm yeah. doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. People said, oh, do you, do you take on clients? So the reach is there. The reach right? is there. Which is why we're talking again. Because if nobody reached out, they'd be like, this is not making sense. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Like you take quick line. Don't make dogs. Don't make sense. Man. Yeah, no, anyway. no, no, no. What do you? Yeah, I mean, in your opinion, in your opinion, in your opinion, though, what do you think? What do you think sponsorship? If you're me, would you would you take on some some whale sponsors? I, I don't want to show that's 
because I mean, we're really pushing YouTube now. And I mean, once you monetize on YouTube, you can insert ads and stuff. But if you were me, this is a great scenario too. And I got to run. But if you were me and you're like, man, I, I got a hundred episodes into this. You, you do feel legit. Now you brought on some world worldly guests. You got all the credibility. Social media is good. You're sitting in that middle though, because you know, the next move you make after this, you know, sets you into the, into the, you're in the high and you're, you're going into the high road. But would you take a couple big ones? Would you do small ones? Would you have a few small ones and one just massive title sponsor that, you know, what would you do? Go back to the GoDaddy, go back to the GoDaddy model. Which one is it? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. And I do what do what radios do. Let people compete for title sponsors and you make sure it's one month at a time. Yeah. Radios. Dead radio's advertising model is legit. I like you what we do segments. though. Like I like I like what we, we, me and you have, and Jordan and I have the same one because I I, I love the fact that you don't just I'm like I, I don't want just money. Like you're coming on and giving expertise, you know. And she's a criminal defense lawyer. She comes on and gives me her expertise. Like people like they're like, oh, that's awesome, great advertiser. You just gave me like 60 minutes of just you know. So I, as an advertiser, will wrap this up. I look yep. at this as I'm paying to take a course. I'm learning. <laughs> yes, yes. No, you think about yes. I'm not here. I'm not here to build a business. I'm not. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have no interest in that. I've done what I have to do for that part. Yeah, I want to get some people to listen to my shows. Boom. Message done. I got people across the world, across Canada, listening to my show. Done. But now I'm paying to learn, and whatever I may pick up from you, yeah, that great value down the road. So it's a it's that synergistic thing that you have to look for. Love it. Maybe instead of the big massive sponsor, look for somebody that can pay you to learn, and you can get paid to learn. Yeah, no, you know? no that's true. Amar Gill, tell everybody so, how they can find you. Plug yourself. Let's wrap this up. How can they find you? Where's your podcast? All the goodies. Sure. Sure. Podcast is Do Bad Things to Do Good. It's on iTunes and Google as well as uh, Stitcher, I believe. I don't even know what my podcast is, but iTunes for sure. And uh, you can reach out to me if you ever have questions on email. Uh, it's amargillca at gmail.com. Instagram is agill2103. Amar, do you have an iPhone? Right. Do you have access to iTunes? Yes. When you get off, can you please go to my podcast and write a review? Would you? I, I would very much appreciate it. No, 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 go, no. Go on iTunes and actually write a review and screenshot, and then I'll give you a shout out. Sure. Yeah. Done. Did you want the stats, or did you want that a separate email? Uh, whatever. No. Give me. Yeah, give me the. Give me. No. No. Give me the. Give me the stats with it. I like that. Give me the stats in the review, and then because then I can screenshot and I can put it into anywhere I want. Okay. Done deal. I will do that for you. All right, man. Everybody. Uh, Oh. Yes. <laughs> Everybody who's listened, I uh, appreciate you again. Remember, curiosity should always be your mandate. Uh, again, just uh, massive amounts of love and support. We have lots of goodies coming up for you. And uh, I know this episode was jam-packed. So, uh, And please, please subscribe to us on YouTube.com forward slash Ryan Holtz or anywhere you consume your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and write a five-star review. Uh, much love. Amar, thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Adios.